in this habit series. We're studying these habits because we believe these habits make us better people. And as disciples of Christ, we are trying to learn to become more like him and to be with him, right? We know these habits don't bring us salvation or get us into heaven, but we do them to be closer to God. We do this to be closer um, to our Savior. And we do this so that we can learn to hear his voice among all the other voices in our world, right? We do this so that we can decipher what his voice sounds like in the midst of every other noise that we have going on around us. We're actually studying solitude and silence today. I know in our habits book, how many of you have the habits book? We have it, yes. And how many of you are in a life group? Probably around the same amount, yeah? I encourage you to get both of those in case you don't have one. But um, in the book this past week, we were really studying fasting. And in the book, it says fasting, silence, and solitude. And when we watched the video and answered the questions in our groups, it was mainly about fasting. And then they touched on solitude and silence at the end. But we are going to be looking at mainly solitude and silence. And here's why. When I, I actually wrote a whole sermon on fasting. So if you'd like the notes, just let me know. It was mainly what you heard um, in the fasting book and in the fasting life groups. But um, I just, as I prayed this week for you, and I prayed over what God might want us to be looking at, I really felt like we were supposed to focus on solitude for this specific group. So let's turn to Luke 5.16. It says this. You can follow along. But the news about him, Jesus, was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to a secluded place to pray. And it's interesting here, as we look at the life of Jesus in this, in this point in his life, in this point in his three-year ministry on earth, he had people clamoring around him so much, and he was becoming extremely well-known and famous throughout all the world that they knew at the time. In fact, later in Mark, if we look <clears throat> at this time in Mark, he actually had to get on a boat in the water to avoid being trampled because the crowds were so great, they were trampling each other. So he, had, he faced this great deal of pressure. And it's important, I think, for us to remember as examples for for disciples of Christ who want to be more like him and kind of follow his life, that he didn't just hang out in the wilderness all the time and fast, right? And he wasn't just on boats sleeping with his disciples. Most of his time was spent pouring out his life, was spent serving the people that God had sent him to minister to. So he was facing a great deal of pressure. But it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to a secluded place to pray. Some versions or manuscripts say he would go to the wilderness to pray, where there were no people. The Greek word for this is eremos, and it's defined as this, an uncultivated, unpopulated place, or a desolate, deserted area, a barren, solitary, or secluded place that also provides needed quiet and freedom from disturbance. When was the last time we had that? It's hard where we live, right? There's a whole lot of people here, <laughs> by the way. Um, it also means a desert, which is ironic to me because this is usually where, where you see this word, this is where God chooses to grant his presence and his provision to those who are seeking him. Eremos, in the strictest sense, expresses a lack of population or a lack of people. So not Disneyland, right? The opposite of Orange County. So it's hard for us to find here, but we'll find it. 
This root eremo, this is my favorite one, suggests unappropriated territory, affording free range for shepherds and their flocks. This is a beautiful thought for us, isn't it? As sheep with our shepherd, Jesus. So in this sense of the word, the shepherds could lead the flock to a place to to live or to graze or to be. And they could graze freely without the fear of predators. Or they could sleep peacefully without having to keep watch because their shepherd was providing and doing that for them. Such a beautiful symbolism for us as his followers. Nikola Tesla, the brilliant inventor, said this. The mind is sharper and keener in seclusion and uninterrupted solitude. Originality thrives in seclusion. And catch this, free of outside influences beating upon us to cripple the creative mind. That's huge. That's a huge statement. He's saying that creativity comes, invention comes, life and freedom comes of the mind when you are in seclusion in solidarity, being able to think because outside influences of our world and his at that time, which was very different, will come and cripple the creative mind. How many of you are on Instagram? You have an Instagram account. Yes. How many of you are, are on Facebook? Either one. You could do. Just scrolling for 30 minutes on Instagram. If you're maybe outside your friends and family circle, right? If you follow anyone else, you will find frame after frame after frame of ultimate perfection that is staged to get you to want to follow it, to get you to want to buy it, or to want it, isn't it? We can see in each little tile, there is so much time put into it. And outside of that photographed frame, it's just absolute chaos, because I've been in those studios when they've taken photos. I've actually had one of those where you, it's just massive chaos. People are running around. You know, there's stuff everywhere. But in that frame, they put this little tile in like a branch or, I don't know, a shell or whatever. And then they put whatever they're trying to sell, and that is supposed to appeal to you and make you want it, right? So you could be in any field, any vocation or occupation, male or female, and it's on there. Those outside influences. You could be a teacher or a chef or an artist, designer, architect. You could be a stay-at-home mom or dad. Whatever you are or a musician, you will see those outside influences. And in fact, I am a a piano player, and sometimes I post piano songs. It's honestly just to get myself a job, (laughs) because if I don't post, no one will know I'm a musician. I hate self-promotion. I really do. But I put it on there and, you know, people notice that way and you can say, hey, you could direct them or whatever. Well, in doing so, other piano players will follow you and it's just a really shameless plea to get you to follow them and then they, you know, get their likes and and followers up. Well, every once in a while, I will go on and just kind of click on their feeds and see what they're doing. And these outside influences to me and to, I would say, most, because I have talked to lots of people who feel this way. But you see what's happening, and you see that frame of perfection. You don't see that it took me 8 million times to get that song without a mistake. You just see this effortless piano playing, right? You don't see that it took so many years of practice for that person to, you know, paint a portrait or whatever they're doing. But you see perfection in it. You need to be like that. And so sometimes, as a musician, I look at other people and go, man, am I ever, will I ever be that good? Is it even, should I even be posting? He's traveling around the world. You know, he's studied in these conservatories. He's he's done awesome things in these huge auditoriums. Should I even be doing this? And then this voice kind of creeps up 
Instead of my taking that time and spending it writing music or spending it, you know, honing my craft or even plugging into the Lord and seeing what maybe he wants to do with my life and my gifts and my talents, I'm sitting there going, should I even be doing this? Because that's what Nikola Tesla is saying here, that seclusion, originality thrives in seclusion, free of outside influences, beating upon us to cripple the creative mind. He goes on to say this, be alone. That is the secret of invention. Be alone. That is when ideas are formed. And I would even go on as a child of God and as a student of the Bible. I would say be alone. That is where we can better learn to hear the Holy Spirit and what God has for us. In silence, in solitude. We see in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah has gone um, into this cave because the Lord tells him that he's going to pass by. And so Elijah goes in solitude, in seclusion, to wait for him hiding in this cave. And it says that a, a large wind broke out. And it started to break apart the rocks of the cave in the mountains where he was. But God was not in the mighty wind. And then it says that an earthquake happened and shook the earth. But God was not in the earthquake. And after that, a huge fire broke out. This is a big day for nature, by the way. Big day. Fires, earthquakes, I don't see these a lot in one day. Maybe in the summer in Orange County, but that's it. Um, so this fire broke out and it burned everything around, but God was not in the fire. And then it says a still small voice came. Some, um, some versions or manuscripts say a gentle blowing or a still small voice, a whisper. And Elijah immediately stood up, covered his face with his cloak, and went to the entrance of the cave to meet the Lord. He did this because he was so used to the practice and the habit of solitude, being with the Lord, that he knew exactly what to listen for. He knew he could decipher God's voice among all the noise of the world, but he had to make it a practice first, and this was not the first time he heard his voice. Our culture tells us a very different story, doesn't it? The world in which we live, where everything around us is a distraction. Our, we have these devices, we're living in the digital age, and I'm not here to completely spend the whole time bashing the time in which we live, because every point in history had something, right? Right. But I do feel that knowledge is power and it's important that we are aware of what's around us so that we can, you know, just be aware of the spiritual things and the physical things. So this is just common knowledge, but companies in Silicon Valley have been for years, and they still are, hiring these young, brilliant, 20-something minds to design and intentionally engineer apps and create advertisement for your device to keep you hooked to it, Right? to keep you distracted. It is scientifically engineered to keep you addicted. So our, intent, our attention span is shrinking infinitesimally while our knowledge base is growing by the second, right? And you can see this with kids. I don't know about you if you have kids, but I have three children, two are teenagers. And um, they are at the point where they're asking me, crazy questions that I would never in a million years have dreamed of asking as a kid because I didn't even know these things existed, right? I don't know the answer to these questions because I'm not a marine biologist or an astrophysicist, right? Like, I don't know why dolphins sleep with one side of their brain and one eye open to watch for sharks. I don't know how they do that. And I don't know if we can do that. Probably not. But I always tell them, why are you asking me when Siri is sitting right next to you, right? How many of you, if you are parents, honestly have told your kids to ask Siri? 
you are lying. No, there is no way you haven't. And how many of you who are going to have kids someday will tell your kids this? Definitely intend on doing that. But it's funny. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know how they know what they know because I have one of these and I don't even think of asking those questions. This is one of my favorite quotes. The CEO of Netflix was asked how they handle the competition of um, HBO streaming and um, Amazon Prime video on demand or Hulu. I don't know. They're all called different things, and there's a million of them right now. How are they going to handle the competition to stay on top? And he said, oh, oh, we don't have to compete with them. He said, there's such a vast amount of content out there. There's no need. People can just pick a show or a movie or whatever they want to watch, and they watch it late into the night, and we just... they." They keep watching it and watching it, watching it. We're actually competing with sleep. And then he goes on to say, and we're winning. <laughs> so true. So this culture is forming us. It's forming our brains and our thought processes. And I'm not telling you this to make you afraid or make you feel guilty in any way. But it's important that we are aware that we have a very real spiritual enemy, right, who the Bible says is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he will use every form of distraction or addiction that he can. So we are on these all the time, yes, and they become second nature. They become habits. And then we go to work all the time, and we do that so often. Um, And that's not a bad thing. We're just keeping up with the life, the way of life here in California. But that becomes a habit and second nature as well. And then you add all of our activities and our hobbies and our kids' activities and the fact that we're a taxi to them for, you know, six hours of the day when they get home from school well into the night. We can go, you know, days or weeks or months or even years without stopping to remember, oh, I forgot I'm I'm supposed to maybe spend time with my creator and have this relationship with my first love, right? It's important. But Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it says, Then we will be able to know what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So did you catch that? How many times have we in our lifetimes, I hear this all the time from people, I wish I just knew what God was saying. I just wish I knew God's will. I wish I knew the next step for my life. I wish I knew where I'm supposed to go to school or go to work or apply or whatever. And I'm not saying he lays it out for you in a map, right? But if we can't hear his voice, we don't even know what direction to take. We see in scriptures, though, this way that Jesus renewed his mind. He makes it a habit or a practice to often get alone to a secluded place to pray. He did it when he was fasting in the wilderness to prepare for temptation. He would go on the mountainside and pray and be alone. And he would do it so that he could refill and refresh as he's pouring out himself to people and serving the multitudes that are gathered around him. But he didn't just do it for his own life and ministry. He did it as an example to his disciples and their life and ministry and ultimately for our life and ours, right? He was so purposeful about it. He was so purposeful about it that we need to be purposeful as well. We all have a purpose and a full potential to meet in this short life of ours. But if we are always surrounded by our noise that we create, yes, we create it, with not only our devices, but just the noise of our life. 
how will we ever hear him and build a relationship? Have you ever tried to have a conversation with your spouse or someone else when um, there are toddlers in the room or there's noise all around you like that? I don't know. There, there is no way you can ever hear what's going on. All you're trying to do, you get home from work and you're just trying to hear about your you know, spouse's day. There's nothing you can do. They're screaming. There's stuff being thrown. It's impossible. But Jesus was intentional about his seclusion, and we must be too. Um, when my first two kids were little, we have um, our first two, who are teenagers now, are a year apart. They're actually 12 months and two days apart, which is not recommended, and it wasn't planned. So um, uh, they were um, really little, and I used to get up every morning at 5.30 um, by myself with a cup of coffee in the dark before anyone else was awake. And I would go downstairs and just have some time with God. I would pray. I would read the Bible, you know, and I'd just listen to what God had to say for 30 minutes. And then I'd spend the next 30 minutes going out and running around the neighborhood just to get a workout in and stuff like that. But I just, sometimes I'd run in silence to be alone in creation with my creator and listen to the birds and the wind and the trees. And then other times I would put on worship music and I'd listen to, um, you know, new songs we were leading or new songs we wanted to teach or learn or things like that. And I remember at that time being so content and so full. I was writing lots of music at the time and I had so many lyrics, so many songs that I could never fit all of them on one album at any given time. And I'd actually throw half of them away just because I thought they were mediocre. Then my, uh, I was pregnant with my third, who is now nine, and in the eighth month, I sort of unintentionally started an online business, and I was a um, designer and a jeweler for the bridal industry, and I just thought it would be fun, but once she was born, it took off and kind of exploded, and really, it was just, I was in the right place at the right time, and it, orders started coming in. And I started becoming so focused on the success because I thought, well, this is happening. We're doing this now, right? This is different. So I became so focused and centered on making that business happen, making that business lucrative, making that business and that company a success that I didn't put my relationship with God on hold, but I kind of put my time with him to the side. So I stopped that morning time. I stopped any time where I would just be alone with God and hear his word or read you know, read his word, whatever. And I just kind of put it aside and thought, I'll get back to it. I'll come back. But I didn't for a really long time. And I became so stressed out because I was pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I never refilled. I never heard his word. And I never plugged into that solitude. So I would go to lead worship and I was I was dry. There was nothing to pull from spiritually to feed myself, to feed others. And an element of self-care really just kind of disappeared in my life. There was nothing there. And every once in a while, people at church would go, hey, are you writing any music lately? And I'd go, no. Man, I don't know what it is. I just feel so uninspired. I feel so empty. And I would tell God, I just have nothing new to say. There's nothing there. Because like Tesla said, my mind was so crippled with everything else that was going on. I had, to, I had to get stuff done. I was, you know, shopping for inventory and answering emails and feeding the baby and, you know, whatever, packaging, shipping, taxes, whatever you have to do for, you know, so many of you have started a small business or you run a business, you know that it consumes every part of you if you let it. And that, looking back, I was so stressed and I was so empty 
And that turmoil from not plugging into the source of my identity in Christ, that was a heavy, heavy burden to bear. I never was just alone. That identity in Christ can only be found sometimes in seclusion and solitude in that Eremos. So we are focusing on these habits um, to grow closer to God as a church and as individuals. And so I want to give you just for a few minutes four quick, simple places to start. In case this is the way you learn, go ahead and pull out. This is the way I learn. I'm very kinesthetic. I have to touch things. I have to see things. So if you want to pull out your um, bulletins, there's four lines there. And you can write these down. And they'll be up here. You can also just take a screenshot at the end if you want. The first one is carve out time from your sleep. I know it's big. It sounds big. But I have literally heard some of you say you get up at 3.30 and 4 a.m. to work out. And I am telling you, unless there's a plane ticket with my name on it to Barbados, there's no way I'm getting up at 3.30 a.m. to work out. There's no workout worth that kind of time. But we do it for everything else. We do it for exercise. We do it for time with our spouse. We do it for time with our kids. We watch shows late into the night. And you may miss 15 minutes. Set your alarm 15 minutes early if you're a morning person. If you're a night person, maybe just take 15 to 30 minutes. It might be an hour, whatever you want. Start small. Start where you can actually accomplish these things. And just get away where your family isn't, where your roommates aren't, wherever you are. Just give yourself Sometime. You have to be intentional about it. And how many of you know that being intentional is just as spiritual as being spontaneous, right? Carving it into your calendar is just as good, maybe even better. Number two, download a Bible app. This is a really easy one. You go to the app store, you download that little Holy Bible app icon, you know, the brown one, and you can choose in their audio. And then you can actually choose a plan. You, I also want to recommend just going through the versions and seeing what voice you like, because some of them are super annoying. <laughs> and there's no way you'll be able to listen to all of them. But find a version with a voice that you like, and um, even use your commute to do it. So um, we have friends that were here in the first service. They're also in our life group. They lead our life group, the Bells, Shauna Michelle Bell. They have the Bible app, and so does my husband. And they put it on audio, and every morning... During their commute, did you know that in 15 minutes a day you can read the Bible through in a year or have it read to you in the car? Isn't that amazing? 15 minutes is all it takes. Read the whole Bible through in a year and you can choose your plan on there. Um, You can go Old Testament, New Testament, and Psalms. You can just go through straight. You can choose. It's really easy. Number three, spend time in a hobby or your passion. And this is obviously a solitary one. It's a you know, one when you're alone. So you could garden, you can um, paint or draw or design, you can write, spend time on an instrument, I don't know, model trains, whatever it is that makes you feel filled or happy. Spend time in that hobby and passion and go one step further and be thankful in it. Practice thankfulness. That too is a habit and that is a great way to come closer to our creator who gave us the things we have. And number four, fast electronics. You can pick one of these or you can pick all of them. But this could be for an hour if you just want to read your Bible. I know I used to have my laptop out and I had a Bible program on there and I'd study, but then, you know, emails from customers would come in. And, you know, if you're on your phone, these stupid, like, word games that you download, it's like, there's coins waiting for you. You got to go get them. 
And I always want to, you know, click over and go, there's coins. So I would recommend just fasting the electronics or, you know, putting them aside for an hour. It might be a day. Uh, one of the couples in our life groups, the McGinnis, um, the McGinnises, they decided to do a Saturday with, with their kids with no electronics at all. And they said, hey, we're going to, shouldn't we do that? Wouldn't that be nice? And I looked at Dave and I said, that sounds really good, doesn't it? I like that idea. And he goes, yeah, no. No, it doesn't sound good. I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> so it doesn't work for everybody. But choose one, choose two, choose all of them. Just some practical ways to help. So we're going to take communion in a minute, and we're going to sing a song called New Wine. This song is a call back to the altar. It's a call to surrender. And it's taken from Jesus' parable in Matthew 9, where he talks about putting the new wine into wineskins, or in our case, barrels, right? You can't put new wine into old wineskins, or the wineskins will burst, the wine will be spilled out, and both are ruined. But he says you need to put new wine into new wineskins, and then both are preserved. Both will be able to be used for a good purpose. And he's actually talking about adding the new way of Christianity to the old law of Judaism, but it works so beautifully here for these habits we're talking about. Because we need to, just like the grape has to die from the vine and be crushed, we need to kind of let our old selves die in order to pick up this new and fresh anointing from Christ and know what God wants to do with our lives, right? We need to renew our mind, be transformed by the renewing of our mind in order to know what the will of God says. Um, these lyrics that we're going to sing say, where there's new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom. What a beautiful thought that is. It says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. Some of us need to allow God to do something new and beautiful with our lives. Will you bow your heads with me? As I was praying this last couple of weeks, I felt so le to lean on solitude because I've really felt that some of you have so much clawing at you, so much draining all your energy and all your time, and all you need is just to schedule in some regular time, make it a habit of solitude, seclusion, and silence. It's a habit. It takes time and practice like an instrument or any sport. But we can start today. How many of you, as you're sitting here listening, this is, we just want to give you a chance. Every service we do this. If this is the, if you're hearing this message and this is the first time that you've heard it and you want to follow Christ, you've never followed him before. We don't want to do anything weird. We're not going to pull you up here. We just want to be able to pray for you. Will you just put up your hand if this is your first time? Amen. Okay, and then if you heard this and you're thinking, man, I relate to that. I am dry. I have nothing new to say, and I just feel so uninspired. I need to just refresh and set aside time with God. We also want to pray with you and partner with you in that. Will you put up your hand? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Father, now we come to you in thankfulness and in awe of who you are, and all these beautiful things laid out for us in your word that give us life, that give us hope, that refresh us and renew us. God, we lay them before you. And I pray for those who raise their hand to 
follow you for the first time. You would help us to come alongside them, that you would help them to reach out and come to us for prayer and for help in this area. This is a big deal, God. It's awesome. And I also pray for those who raise their hands for a new refreshing and refilling, that you would do that. Fill them up, God. Come this morning and wash over us. Wash over us as your church with your fresh, new anointing so that you can make new wine from us. Amen.